got your Bibles, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Amen. I can promise you, yes, I didn't make the same trip that he made, but I did not put in half the effort that he put in. And uh, I can promise you there's a reason why he's way more exhausted than I am. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter number 4. We're going to read from verse 9 through verse 12. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. The Bible says two are better than one. Can you say that with me tonight? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Verse 11 says, And again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And verse 12, And if one prevail against him, Two shall withstand him. Let me read that again. If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. Amen. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Amen. I'm going to preach. I I don't know if it's going to be condensed. It depends on... When the the burden leaves me. Amen. But I want the Holy Ghost to have its way in this house tonight. Amen. We're going to talk about achieving the ultimate through unity. Amen. Can we one more time just reach out to heaven and ask the Lord to meet with us right now. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated tonight. <clears throat> Amen. I, I think that I've only taught this at my church. But I woke up this morning and this message was just running through my mind. And I couldn't even remember which message it was until I went back and began to dig and found it. and Began to go through it. Felt like God put this on my heart had an evangelist this morning, and he confirmed this more than one time. And uh, so tonight, we're going to talk about what we can achieve through unity. <clears throat> Bear with me for a short few moments as I try to lay a foundation. <clears throat> I think I'm talking to several intelligent people here tonight. Amen. Most of us know and understand what unity is. Uh, we know that it's important Amen. In no matter what uh, area of life we find ourselves, uh, in the workplace, at home, um, at school, wherever it may be, there has to be a certain level of unity amongst the people to accomplish anything. Amen. In order to be a successful company, you've got to administer some type of unity amongst the, the people in the workplace. At school, the teacher has to administer some type of unity amongst the students. Most of the time, it's very hard. Amen, Sister Desiree. Amen. But I can promise you, eventually, the teacher's able to row, uh, gather everybody together and corral them in and, and get, their, get their attentions just on one thing, maybe just for a minute or two, but they'll, they'll, they'll get it eventually. Amen. But unity must be there in order to successfully teach anything or to accomplish something successfully amongst a group of people. Amen. The dictionary from dictionary.com defines unity as the state of being one or oneness. Uh, 
the second uh, definition that I found there, it says a whole or totality as combining all its parts into one. The state or fact of being united or combined into one as of the parts of a whole. Unification. Absence of diversity. Absence of diversity. That's unity. Unvaried or uniform character. Oneness of mind, feeling, etc. As among a number of persons, concord, harmony, or agreement. Amen. That is unity defined as we know it today. Amen. Praise God. There is much power in unity. I'll say it again. There is much power in unity. Pentecost would not have existed without the unity factor. Without a group of people that were obedient and went and got their minds in one mind, in one accord. It took a people to obey the voice of God. Amen. But they had to do it as one. They had to do it together. Without diversity. Amen. Without underlying agendas amongst themselves. They had to do it with one mind. Amen. Our text tells us that two are better than one. And then it goes on to tell us why. I want to look at this again. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift him up. If one falls and you're working together, Sister Larissa, if I'm working beside you and you trip, I'm going to stop and I'm going to help you up. But if you fall by yourself, you've got to try to pick yourself up. You don't have any help around you. And most of the time, from experience, I know that when I found myself working all alone and I didn't have anybody around me, when I fell on my face and I tried to get back up, before long I realized I was digging a deeper hole than I, than I had intended to go. Amen. I promise you, I'm talking from experience tonight. Amen. No Christian, no person should be an island unto themselves. It's not healthy. It's not healthy physically and it's not healthy spiritually. If you're trying to get along spiritually by yourself, I'm here to tell you, honey, it ain't going to work. You're not going to go very far before you're tripping yourself over your own feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Number, verse 11 says, if two lie together, then they shall have heat. I, I, when I read this verse, I, I thought about a story that I read of a group of people that had tried to conquer Mount Everest together. And as I read the story, they were there for many days and they would alternate themselves together to maintain the heat within themselves. They didn't have anything to make a fire, Brother Nick. They didn't have anything of the natural to help them survive. But they realized, hey, if we'll stick together, if we don't try to go out and brave the storm just to find help, if we'll stick together praying and asking God, Eventually, help may arrive. Amen. And those folks made it safe home. Amen. And I'm thankful for that story. It, it's a great, great, uh, it makes for a great sermon. Amen. And I didn't study up on it, so I can't really get into all the details. Amen. I just remember that one portion of that story where they had to stick together. Had one of them, had one of them went away, they would have possibly died before help had arrived. But they remembered Hey, we've got to stick together through this. We've got to survive. I've got people back at home that I want to see again. I don't want to, I don't want to go into eternity without having been able to tell my loved ones I love them one more time. So they stuck together and they made it home. Thank God. Amen. If two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? 
And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord, the Bible said, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When we're working together, our labor, first off, in this passage, tells us that there is reward. God blesses those that work together in unity. I go back to Acts chapter number 2. 120 people gathered together seeking the face of God consistently until the day of Pentecost was fully come. And then they had a reward for their labor because they stuck together, because they persevered until the promise of the Father came. You see, when we're working together, if one of us were to fall, my brother, my sister, and we're praying together like a church ought to be praying together, we're going to be able to sense when somebody falls. We're going to be able to go into a mode of prayer that says, God, something's just not right. You may not understand what you're praying for, but I can promise you God knows all. And when God begins to impress upon a church that is unified to begin to pray for a certain individual, I can promise you that that individual may be saved, if not only just for the prayers of a unified church. Hallelujah. When we're working together, we can help pick each other up. When we're working together, we can keep each other alive. When we're, when we're talking about spiritual things, even physical things, uh, amen, we can help each other on a regular basis if we stay unified, if we stay in one mind and one accord, if we keep pressing towards what the pastor's been preaching about and teaching about. Uh, God, show me more. God, let me draw closer to my brother and my sister. Because we want to see that great reward of revival that you have promised to us time and time and time and time again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The other thing, the last thing I want to pull from that passage of Scripture was simply this. When we're working together and the enemy sets its sight upon an individual and he begins to prevail over an individual. I'm here to tell you that we as a church can come together against the adversary. And the Bible says we will prevail. We will overcome. Because we have one thing in common. And that is to see our brother and sister survive. Amen. Praise God. A threefold cord is not easily broken. You can get one section of that cord when it comes untwined. And you may be able to bend that thing and eventually it snaps. But if you wrap it with two, it's a lot harder to break it. But I know from experience, trying to pull cars out of the mud, because some people like to ride their vehicles where they're not supposed to and get stuck in creeks and stuff. <laughs> and we try to use whatever we can find. We use the strap. Brother Nelson, them flat straps, they're good for strapping something onto a onto a flatbed or hold it down where it won't move off. But they weren't meant to pull against. I don't know how many of those things we snapped. Not just that day we were pulling my brother and Sean out of the out of the creek, but getting things stuck on the job site. We all we had were those straps. And you know, we finally realized if we wrapped those things up real tight together. They last a little bit longer, Brother Chad. But they still don't work, Brother Nelson. Like one of them nice old tow ropes that have all of those, all of those threads intertwined with each other. As long as it ain't got a slit in it, it's going to be all right. It, you can put as much pressure against that thing, Brother Chad, as you possibly can imagine. I pulled out. Big front loaders, 
with two F-350s out of a massive mud hole just with a couple of those pull ropes. I was amazed because I had seen so many of those flat straps just snap right in half. But a threefold cord, what I'm talking about tonight, it was designed, amen, it was intertwined with each other. And each and every one of those weaves, they would take a little bit more of the brunt off of the next one. You with me tonight? That's why it works so well, because they're working together. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I, I, I'm a little bit carnal right now, but thinking about my dad's old 98 four-door truck. It had what, what kind of four-wheel drive they called that. It didn't have, when you turned it on four-wheel drive, it wasn't all four wheels turning simultaneously. I think it was positive track or something like that. And that, that thing, when, when Dad got stuck, he got stuck one day, and he turned that four-wheel drive on. And I remember those two, that front left tire was the primary, and the back, the rear right tire was the primary. But when he got, one of those tires began to slip in, one of those other ones would kick in and grab. They began to work together. To pull yourself out of that hole. You guys know what I'm talking about. Amen. We got some country boys out here. We, we got some folks that know. They've been in construction field a little bit. Amen. But I, those, that vehicle began to work together. And eventually you come right up out of that old mess. Because all of it was designed to work as one unit. What would have happened, if, Brother, Jared, Brother Hilton, if, if, if one of those tires decided I'm not going to kick on this time? Still be stuck. What happens if one of those threads on that cord decide, hey, I'm not pulling my weight? The other two would have to press that much harder. And they would have to work so much harder. And then you have the probability of things breaking down. And you're still stuck in the same place you were before. Because just one thing. Decided, hey, I'm not going to work. Look, I'm here to tell you tonight, church. If I get to the rest of these notes, we, we'll see. But I'm here to tell you tonight. A church was designed to work as one unit. One unit. We are the bride of Christ. Not the brides of Christ. God's not a Mormon. He has one bride, one bride, and that bride needs to work together as one. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ, Paul said. <laughs> you know, Maybe I'll get through here in just a minute, but one more story. I've been thinking about, there was a time when I was younger, for whatever reason, I still don't know to this day, Mom, why in the world that, that toy shotgun was sitting on that counter. Sure would have been a lot less pain if it wasn't sitting up there. Because for some reason, I needed to jump on that counter. When I jumped off, that toy gun fell on top of my right, my my left toe and like to broke that toe on the big toe. And even as a young boy, I begin to realize, hey, that toe is pretty important. I could barely walk. And I tried to keep that, that toe off the floor and I'd start losing balance. When I was trying to walk, I didn't realize as a young boy how important that big toe was. And I can tell you, as I went weeks, eventually that, you know, you know what happens when you bust your toe and you lose the toenail and all that stuff. And it doesn't heal quickly. It doesn't. It's painful. And you walk around. 
but it's just a little member of my body. Think about that. It's just a little member of my body. But it controls my balance. It controls how quickly I can make it to the back door if there's a fire. Just a little member. Just a little member. But it is so important. And if it's hurting, I can promise you that member will hurt the rest of the entire body. And the entire body is trying to help that toe get just a little bit better so that the rest of the body can have a bit of relief. Because it will shoot pain all the way up your leg. It'll make you nauseous sometimes because it gets so painful. But it's just a little member, Brother Hilton. And, and, and why are you making so much ado about a little member? Because of the pain and the suffering that it causes when it's, in, when it's been hurt, when it's suffering. It causes the rest of my body to begin to work and try to make it feel a little bit better. Amen. That's what a body's supposed to do. It's working together to help my physical body to overcome the pain that it is feeling. And just as that one little member is important, in my physical body each and every one of us is important in the house of God in the church that God has placed us in we cannot afford to decide on our own when and when when we are and when we are not going to function with the church I said it's not up to you and it's not up to me when I'm going to decide when I'm going to function and when I'm not going to function. God saved me and he put me inside the body for such a time as this. Every day that I wake up, I ought to be functioning with the body that God put me inside of. My body's not going to function right. If my right arm decides, hey, I'm not going to work today. I'm staying home in bed. It's not going to work right. It's impossible. Because by the time I get back to my house and try to pick up my arm and put it back on, that arm is going to be worthless. I'm talking about unity tonight. I'm talking about the body of Christ here tonight. It's important that the church be unified if we want to see his glory. I can tell you through the word of God, we are commanded over and over and over to be one with our brother and with our sister. We cannot make it to heaven without this thing that's called unity. Jesus told us in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And he goes on and he said, By this, by what? How much I love my brother and my sister. By this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Let me ask you a question. Can the world tell that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? Can they tell? When they come upon you, Brother Andrew, and they begin to say, hey, you know that Nick Albright, Albright, you know that guy? Yeah. He wears them red ties. Those are the ugliest things. 
kidding. I like his tie. But what's your response going to be, Brother Andrew? What's your response going to be? That person's not a part of the church. That person knows Brother Albritton aside from the church. And they're trying to figure out how you feel about your brother. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond, you know, yeah, those red ties are really hideous. I would never get one. I just don't understand. Or are you going to say, you know what? Brother Albritton's a wonderful man. And whatever he decides to wear is perfectly fine with me. And I'm going to love him if he wears a green top and a bright orange pair of pants. And I'm telling you, never mind. That would try my patience, and that would try my spirit. I don't know if I could fellowship you, brother, if you were wearing a green top and some bright orange pants. No. But by this shall all men. I know I'm being silly a little bit here. But by this, Jesus said, this right here, how are you responding when people talk about your church? How are you responding when people talk about the man of God? Every saint of God is going to face that trial. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, folks. Look, God isn't like our elementary schools today. Where if you get close enough to passing, they just push you through. But my God, if you don't ace his test, Brother Nelson, it's going to be back. And I'm going to face the same situation again. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love. He didn't say love for one another. But he said love to one another. I can be as passive about my love for anybody. There's some family members, Mom, I, I love them. I have love for them. I've got to be careful. I'm going to meddle too much. But some of them I have a hard time showing some love to. Brother Nelson, it's going to take a lot if they call me in the middle of the night to get up and go help. Because I'm just being transparent here. I have love for them. I want to see them help, helped. I'm going to see them succeed. I, I want to see all that stuff. But I want to see it at a distance. But Jesus said that if we're going to be his disciple, we're not supposed to have love for somebody. And I'm still working on it, all right? I'm still working on it. God's helping me with it. And I promise you if they called me, I'd be there. But if my brothers or sisters, I can promise you, I'm, look, I'm still part of this church. Whether you like it or not, I'm still part of this church. And if any one of you were to call and say, Brother Hilton, I need you to be here. Brother Nelson, I have love to my brother. And I'm going to be there as quick as I possibly can because I don't want to see my brother suffer. If my brother falls... And he's by himself. I'm going to make it my priority to get there as fast as I can and say, my brother, come on. I, need to, I want you to get up. You don't need to stay down. Don't, don't, don't stay on the ground, my man. You've got to make it all the way.
you have, if you're my disciples, you're going to have love one to another. Does that mean we're going to be perfect once, one to another all the time? Does that mean we're never going to argue? Does that mean we're never going to fuss? No, but it's going to make you so much easier to say, Sister Larissa, I'm sorry. I wish I wouldn't have spoken to you that way. But I'm going to say, and you're, and you're going to reach out and say, Brother Hilton, I am, I am so, I, I forgive you. Look, we're human. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall here and there. Jesus was clear about forgiveness. He said, if you're not gonna, if you're not willing to forgive, you better hope and pray that you never fall and need forgiveness from the Heavenly Father. Because if you're not willing to forgive, you're not gonna receive forgiveness from the Spirit from above. We need one another. You hear me? We need one another. Can the world tell that you are his disciples? Amen. Can they tell if you're his disciples? Amen. You know, of late, this message has been put together for quite some time. I don't remember. I didn't look at the date I put it together, but. Of late, I've been through some things, and I had I've been through some situations that I've had to I've had to dig in and and and, and begin to think about this this concept of unity and what it really means. And there's one thing that I be unified with each and every one of you in this place. That's important. Amen. It's important. But there's one thing, one thing that's more important than you and me being on the same page. Ephesians chapter number 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul writes to Ephesus, he said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering." And he said, for bearing one another in love. You've got to help each other. But in verse 3, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit of the Spirit. Not the spirit of the brethren, but of the spirit. Using a definite article stating that there is only one spirit. Yes, it's important that we be unified. But we need to be unified unto his spirit. It's one thing, the, the people building the Tower of Babel, that group of people, they were unified. They were helping one another. They were being successful in what they were setting out to accomplish. But God looked down and said, that's not a good thing. Why was it not a good thing? Because it was completely contrary to what God had told them to go and do. God had said, go into the earth and multiply, spread out, get in the world, go out there and make nations. But that people said, no, we got a better idea. We're going to make one nation. And that one nation is going to glorify man. That's not what the church is about. But the church is about glorifying the one true spirit. That's why it's important that we as the children of God, that we find ourselves 
in the unity of the Spirit. We must be unified. We must help our brother. We must help our sister. We must pray together. We must fight together. We must work together. But it's all in vain if we're not doing it unto the Spirit of God. I submit to you tonight that if we, as a church, obey what Jesus Christ stated in Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we're not going to have a problem with unifying our hearts with our brothers and our sisters. In Ephesians, we find Paul begging us to walk worthy of the vocation in which God has called us. We've got to be meek. We've got to be lowly. We've got to be long-suffering. But most of all, we've got to forbear one another in love. Hallelujah. And we must do it in tune with his spirit. We must follow the leading of his spirit. Uh, amen. I, I could go into Galatians chapter 5 uh, and talk to you about the things that we know when we are unified and we are accomplishing. If the, we are accomplishing anything that resembles the works of the flesh, we are obviously not unified in the spirit. But if we're building a church where the fruit of the Spirit is evident. Every time we come together in each and every one of our lives on a daily basis, when somebody runs into us, we're, we, are, we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Then we know we're unified with Him. Paul, after he finishes Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he goes on and he said this. He said, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And verse 26 said, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another or envying one another. I'm trying to hurry to a close. But I, I want us here in this place tonight to understand when we're envious of our brother or sister, we're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. When we're provoking each other, when we're quick to spread something that you heard about so-and-so, you're not walking in the Spirit. You're walking according to the flesh. And you may be unified with your brother and sister, and you may be talking about other people in the church, but that's the wrong kind of unity, my, my friend. And I'm here to tell you tonight, we must get in tune with the Spirit today. We must be unified unto His Spirit. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost like never before. But it's only going to come when we get into one mind and one accord, seeking the face of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. In fact, I don't have time tonight to get into it, uh, but Galatians chapter 6 goes on talking about how that we ought to be helping those that find themselves falling. We ought to be going out of our way to help our brother and our sister to say, hey, I love you and I'm not about to let you fall without my help of getting up. Hallelujah. Unity is necessary in this place uh, if we want the anointing of God like we keep saying we want. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost uh, in our midst, uh, but it's only going to come when we as a church decide, God, not my will, but yours. And that be the prayer of every single saint of God sitting upon the pew. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 133 says this in verses 1 through 3. It said, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's a good thing. The Bible goes on and said it's just like the ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard of Aaron 
and, and that went down the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. You understand, God, when the unity comes, the anointing begins to flow. And when the anointing begins to flow, the blessing begins to be there. Hallelujah. It's important that we dwell together in unity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. I need, this. I need everybody to tap into the Holy Ghost here tonight. I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to step in this place. And I believe God wants to turn the tide in this house this evening. I'm telling you right now what I feel in my spirit. I'm telling you that tonight I feel that this church is sitting on the edge of where God wants to take you. We need just a few more people. To say, I'm going to get into the unity of the Spirit tonight. We have just a few too many people leaning on the side to go back to where we used to be. But we need just a couple more people to lean up on the side that says, God, take us to where you want us to be tonight. We don't want to be the same church as we've always been. We don't want to see the same results we've seen. But God, we want to see your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. Can I just tell you what I feel right now? I feel right now that there's a few. I'm not, not just one, I promise you. But when I close my eyes, I can see several people right now. You're standing there. Just like Jacob, when he went across the, the Ford Jabbok, <sighs> several of you in this place right now are searching for an answer from God. <laughs> and I can see... <laughs> So many of you that are wrestling with the angel right now. <laughs> but I can see so many of you are getting weary. And you realize the day is coming. And I can see as your, your, your force is weakening against the angel. My God has sent me here right now to tell you don't give up. Somehow get the resolve of Jacob and say, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. God, I can't afford to lose out today. <laughs> but God, I need you. <laughs> Oh, 
my God. Oh, it may feel like the angels touched the hollow of your thigh. And he may feel like he's crippled you. Uh, but let me tell you something. It's just another test. Uh, God's saying, hey, uh, do you really want what I've got for you? Are you willing to fight just a little bit longer? And he sent a preacher here tonight to let you know you're not fighting all by yourself. But I'm praying for you. (laughs) Your brothers and your sisters are praying for you. Oh, my God, can we stand tonight? Oh, my God. Oh, hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Nehemiah, if a fox runs up on the wall, it's going to fall down. All the work that you've done is going to be for nothing. You know, Nehemiah, he didn't pay attention to what they said. He looked at the people (laughs) just like your pastors looked at you. I know it may seem futile, but it's time that the church stand like the people with Nehemiah and say, we're going to build this thing if it kills us. We're going to stand watch. We're going to work until this thing is built. Why did the wall get built? Nehemiah said it's because the people had a mind. The people, you hear me, not Nehemiah, not Nehemiah, but the people had a mind to work. Are you ready to work? Are you ready to continue working? I can promise you, child of God, when it's all said and done, and when the Holy Ghost, when it's all finished, you're going to look back and say, my God, look at the miracle that you wrought in this midst of this people. We thought it was hopeless. We thought it was worthless. But my brother joined arms with me. He stood beside me with a sword in his hand. I worked beside him with a trowel in my hand. And we built the wall. (laughs) Oh, I'm asking you tonight. Is there somebody here that's willing to work? Is there somebody here that's ready and willing to tell the angel, angel, I'm not giving up. I'm not letting go. Until you let your blessings flow. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, 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 I wonder here tonight. I wonder here tonight. I watched. I participated in this worship service tonight. I watched as many of you begin to walk over to each other. And you begin to pray with one another. And I thank you for it. Because that's what God's put us together for. But I ask you one more time tonight. As men, can we join together? Look, I, I, I feel still that there's some struggling. 
I really do. Whether or not what they're going to do with their life living with God. I'm just being honest. But I also feel the undercurrent of the Holy Ghost. That I feel like when we join our hearts and our minds together. And once we reach that place of unity. That I feel like the Spirit is calling us to this evening. That some chains are going to be broken in this place tonight. And that some people are going to leave this place with a newfound victory. I'm not just saying it for hype, my brothers and sisters. I'm here to tell you, this is what I felt since I woke up this morning. I couldn't wait to get to the house of God tonight to preach to this congregation. Why? Because I knew God had a purpose for this service. Now the word of God has gone forth, and he's called us to unity. Now I'm asking, what are we going to do about it tonight? Are we willing to come forward? Are we willing to lock our arms together and say, my brother, my sister, I'm here for you. I'm praying with you. And just let the Holy Ghost begin to knit our hearts and our minds together like we have never been before. And allow his spirit to move in this place. Why don't we all come, those of you that are willing to join together in one mind and one accord, why don't you come and then join together as brothers, brother to brother, sister to sister, and I want you to lift your voices to heaven, and I want you to begin to call out to God. Oh, come on, that's it, let's do it today, together as one body, calling out to the Lord. God, if my brother's falling, I want to help him back up. If my brother has gone cold, I want to help bring warmth to his life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that's it. Let's lift our voices to the Lord tonight. Oh, come on, let's hear it. Let's get into the unity of the Spirit. One mind, one accord. 